people listening to you guys on Pound the Table. Welcome back to Pounding the Table. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 98 of Pounding the Table. Today is Friday, November 17th. I'm in the booth with my co-host, Joey Salicho and Shai Balour. Shai, I don't know if I said your, your last name correct, but... Uh, I cannot believe you did. That's so impressive. There yeah. <laughs> Never actually said your last name. We're going to go over Global E today, quick earnings on that, and Palo Alto Networks. And then playing a new game, since we have a new game every single week, that we'll be walking through, trying to pitch Joey on a small cap that we both like and have him kind of destroy it or agree with us. So that would be exciting. But uh, you guys want to get into Global E, Shy? Yeah. So uh, Global E was the next domino to fall in those brutal SaaS earnings this quarter, similar to Confluent, went down 40%, Paycom, 30 plus percent, Bill.com, and next victim was Global E. However, I think there's a great opportunity here, especially under 30 bucks. I increased my position 10% once I dug through their earnings and I listened to the conference call. It was misunderstanding. And that's what I'm going to put it as where management got it down. They missed their revenue first off, and they also got it down. So you initial the algos just sold that off. Their NDR is still supposed to be over 130% next year. They talked about on the call, like Shopify Marcus Pro, which is pretty much the white label of Global E that Shopify uses, they became available and thousands of clients started going towards that specific product ahead of a holiday season. And management on Global E call mentioned like they didn't factor any of these new clients into their guidance for Q4 or the full year forecast. Main reason is because these are all brand new clients. They have no history with them. So they have no idea how to forecast them. So Pretty much like the Q4 guide miss and like the four year guidance was but the majority of that was these new clients, zero dollars will come for those new clients next couple of months, which is highly unlikely due to the holiday season. The other element was this business is very exposed to Europe. And as we all know, Europe is going through a really tough recession right now, specifically their luxury goods segment is going through a brutal, brutal, brutal year. And Global E makes a lot of money in that geographic area. So that was one of their weak points. Another one was they're growing at like in a very impressive amount, top line percentage. I think this year alone, I'm looking it up right now, they're growing 40%. Analysts had them growing at 39% for full year for next year. And that's kind of the disconnect. They came in at mid 30s. So I think that's the analysts are just really too aggressive on that guide. However, like in this kind of macro with Europe going through such a massive recession, like, I think them growing in their mid thirties is amazing, and it's elite almost. Yeah, Where they would just bought a bunch, by the way. Makes She's sense. She, she follows all my moves. Well, oh, is really? Just death, or is that the uh, is Kathy back? <laughs> I think Kathy Kathy needs to uh, balance all her shit companies with uh, some of these pure gold elites, small caps. Again, this is kind of the way you can find the alpha in this market. If these algos have these massive drawdowns based on earnings and it's just a one quarter miss like it was just a bad quarter due to macro driven news that's a buy and that's exactly why i took advantage of that 
I did the same thing at Trade Desk at 53 bucks. I did the same thing at Unity at 21 bucks. Um, I mean, the Confluent again at 15 bucks. Like, I took advantage of these high quality companies that are going to be massive growth companies down the line. And I just bought it at the dip and it's shot up 20, 25%. Like, Global is over 30 bucks already. So I think that's uh, the sentiment of like how strong of a company is, especially after missing the top line in this kind of macro environment. That same thing happened with Unity, right? Unity dropped right on their earnings, but popped right back up, created a U. I think someone on Twitter said they just wanted to create the U shape on their graph, but not on the charts. But similar there, do you think that you know Unity is just a solid company? People sold off on their earnings and then rebought up and realized that this is a long-term stock or... Well, the issue with Unity has always been their management. It's a sh- it doesn't matter. Um, let's say you're the worst driver and you're like 18 years old, like and you drive a Ferrari. You're gonna drive that car like shit. Unity's biggest like issue for years has been their management. Like John, the CEO, ran EA Sports down to the ground, and he did the same exact thing with Unity. Everyone in the market knows Unity's product is superior. They, they have a duopoly with Unreal Engine. They handle multiple growth thematics like AR, VR. And they're not just a gaming company. Like, yes, gaming is a major element of what their product is. However, they're also venturing out into like movies. A lot of people don't know Avatar 2, like the way of the water, like the technology underwater was using Unity's technology. Another uh, element is like automotive uses them and pretty much anything that's focused on any kind of 3D elements, they're going to use Unity's create function. It's just they were just poorly mismanaged. Zuck tried buying them pre-IPO because it, it would be a perfect fit into his meta vision. App Lovin uh, tried to do like an offer last summer at 58 bucks. Board and immediately rejected it. So my biggest thing with Unity is I know their technology is superior. It's elite. Poorly mismanaged. John's fired. They're going to get a new CEO in place. Hopefully he's developer focused. But I hope the board doesn't sell out before then because... The rule of thumb on turning around any kind of company is 12 to 18 months to allow like to get all the bad players out to change their working climate and culture. So it's going to take time. I just really hope Unity just doesn't try selling out to like the offers they're going to get next year or so, because I really do think Unity is going to be a massive player, especially with the partnership they have with uh, Vision Pro Quest and Apple. Let's move over to uh, Joey for Palo Alto, Pan W, the ticker. So they had a pretty good earnings. They missed Billings Guide by 2%, Beat on Revenue 2.2, Beat on Guide by 2.5, Beat on Gaps EPS. And thank you, Brent Freeman, by the way. I'm reading up for your snapshot here. But uh, Joe, I know you wanted to touch on them real quick because you said everything kind of revolves around them as of yesterday. Yes, they're they're big players in cybersecurity. So when I think of you know the gold standard in cyber, it's Palo Alto and CrowdStrike. You could also lump in you know Zscaler and a couple other players, but those are the main two I'm always watching. So I was watching Palo Alto's report closely, and initially, you know, it it, it kind of tanked. It was down what eight nine percent on this weak billings guidance, but the market seemed to take a deep breath and realize you know it wasn't as bad as I guess the reaction in the stock made it seem. And the CEO, Nikesh Arora, coming on CNBC, and I think he did some interviews, kind of explaining, hey, even though the billings guidance seems weak, demand remains significant in this space. And, and it kind of poured cold water on the 
idea that business was slowing for him. It was just, I feel like they're in the under-promise over-deliver camp and him kind of coming on and explaining that you see the stocks. I mean, it's still down maybe three or 4% from where it was, but it's, it's paired a lot of those losses. And I mean, this is one of those companies where I feel like 10 years from now is going to be significantly larger. So any of these short-term price movements are just going to represent opportunities for long-term investors. You guys are ready for a new game? What are we going to call this? Stump the Schwab? Stump the Salicio? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like that. I don't know if our listeners remember Stump the Schwab. You're too young. That was a great show back in the day. Stump the Schwab was when uh, people tried to do, uh, stump this sports expert. Joey is our stock expert on the podcast here. Why don't you start it off, Shy? Why don't you start it off? I know you had a little trick up your sleeve here for Joey. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned earlier, Confluent had a major post-earnings dip. I believe it's not thesis breaking. However, it was just purely due to valuation. It was really expensive. And how I view my growth portfolio, it's kind of centered around two or three main thematics. One of them is data. Confluence, like main product is data and motion. So what does that really mean? So think about a customer going on, I don't know, Nordstrom.com right now. And I'm looking through like typing, oh, I want jeans. Oh, I want John Vervedo's jeans. That initial feedback will go, that company will be using Confluence to update whatever the consumer is going to be seeing to fit what they want. So it's accessing real life data and making it actionable for the customer, the customer being Nordstrom. So right now, that's not really possible until Confluent or specifically the product Kafka is making these like real data emotion possible. And it fits perfectly in thematic of like data warehouse, aka Snowflake, and then data analytics, which is aka MongoDB. So those three, as you guys know, like I love Snowflake. It's my second biggest holding. MongoDB is my number three holding. So obviously Confluent, will catch my eye and it is a category leader in what they do. The issue is just their valuation. They're not free cash flow positive yet. And they're trading at a pretty insane multiple pre-earnings. Right now it's trading at around $19. They're supposed to be growing. They, they're growing 30% this year. They got it down to, I don't know, mid twenties next year. However, a big component of their earnings call was a different business model where it's going to be more usage-based, aka Datadog, Snowflake, MongoDB. So that's was kind of that plan is already in motion for like a couple years. However, they're expediting that to happen next year. So 2024 would be a big year of like transition for company. They have a young management team. Uh, they all came from LinkedIn. And it's actually, if you guys don't uh, know the board of directors or the management team, definitely look them up because they're incredibly impressive. I love their CEO. Uh, he's like only 40 years old. So I, I love finding a young found, founder-led company because they're going to be there for like decades and like they're pretty much their life, whole life. It will be that company and I want that in my CEO. Uh, anyway, so Confluent again is just had a one miss, nothing thesis breaking. The reason they had such a poor outlook and like miss on revenues was due to two primary customers. One of them, um, transferred, transitioned their business to on-prem, which is very rare. You never see someone like going to cloud and then going back to on-prem. It's like, um, 
I don't know, going using my iPhones. Oh no, I want a sidekick now. It doesn't happen. It's really rare. For some reason the customer they don't call out who their customers are, which is annoying. But that customer just thought it was cost savings. They went back on prem, hoping it wasn't Snowflake or Databricks or any of those type of companies. But the second customer was got acquired. They said so. My thesis was it was Activision Blizzard who just got acquired through Microsoft this past quarter. But anyway, so it was those two one-offs really hurt them. Then also uh, the war that's happening in the Middle East doesn't help. So those are the two one-off instances that happen. And I'm going to stop there because I know Joey's going to have a bunch of questions because he's interested in the company. So I've followed this one for quite some time. And, and you're right, the valuation was always... It, it was tough to wrap your head around, you know, based on the cash burn, you know, profitability being a ways off. But to see the multiples contract so significantly as it's still growing over 30%, it's got a good cash position. You could see profitability is very close. That's when I'm intrigued. You see these, these stocks get taken to the woodshed and they do have, you know, a, a pretty good. I guess, product suite and, and not a lot of competitors, I guess, breathing down their necks when it comes to it. So that's when, you know, I see the the stock absolutely tanking. I'm looking at the new valuation. I see it kind of find its footing in the mid to high teens and it's slowly been making its way back. So I started digging in seeing, okay, who are the customers? What kind of contracts do they have in place? Like what kind of growth could they have over the next five to 10 years? And that's when I started hitting shy, like, okay, explain what this company does, explain the competitive advantage. And is this something that, you know, like a Snowflake or Databricks could easily launch and completely eat their lunch and make this, you know, uh, an irrelevant offering? And it doesn't seem like that's the case. This isn't something at least that they're focusing on right now. So my primary question would be, you know, you've got these big players in data where you got Snowflake, Databricks, Datadog, DB that all kind of like shipped or have data elsewhere. Where in the stack is Confluent? And is it something that all these tools work better with Confluent? Or is it one of those where it could easily be bypassed in the future and, and be unnecessary? So they're not competitors yet. I would say that Confluent's main competition doesn't exist right now. Down the line, hyperscalers might be their competition. However, it's the same argument that I have with like Snow only Snowflake and MongoDB, where like these applications need to be cloud agnostic. Like customers need to know, like have be able to use Azure, AWS, uh, Google. They have to be able to use all three. So like I don't think though they will be the main competition. However, like Snowflake, data warehousing, and MongoDB, it fits perfectly into what they do. If you think about data analytics, what MongoDB does, of course, like being able to access the data in real time in motion fits to exactly what they do to give the consumers or clients ex the information right away. Here's a better example. Digital Ocean uses Kafka as of last quarter. I don't think it's worth companies creating their own product because Kafka is an open source already. So you can access it for free. All you have to do is pay the usage like expenses or whatever they are as you go. But again, like when you're thinking about these high level, like you don't want to start a product from scratch and have a high risk on it failing. So like they rather use the open source, figure out how it works. And then as you make more money and like you use it in your data stack, like you'll pay the fees. It's not a big deal. But again, like you said, competition could be an issue down the line, especially with 
Confluent growing 30% every year and like their profitability is like starting to be in the mid teens. That could be an issue. But again, I don't see it becoming one. And I, I guess the main threat to the stock I would see is we've talked about that gray area before quite a bit. And you saw Twilio get stuck in this, DocuSign, Zoom even. You got all these companies where they were growing revenues 50, 40, 30%. As soon as profitability is turned on, you start seeing the cash flow is when the top line is decelerating into the 20s. And I'm looking at 2024 estimates for Confluent. It's looking at 22% top line growth as they reach normalized EPS, positive 16 cents. But then the growth even projected from there is always in the 20s as properly ramps. Like, is this one of those where people won't be excited by the top line and the profits really aren't there to sustain trading at 100 times earnings or something like that to where it could get stuck in that gray area and people would rather own a snowflake that could grow the top line at 30 plus percent for much longer with much stronger free cash flow margins and, and higher earning potential long term. Yeah. So luckily for them, as you guys know, like companies are going to be drowning in data in the coming years. Like there's going to be so much data they have no idea what to do with. They just know they have to do something with it or become efficient with it. So that thematics, AI and LLM should help Confluent tremendously. Like the CEO said on a call, like their CAGR for the next five years is in the mid 20s and may even touch 30%. And the terminal rate for this kind of business is kind of what crowds like Datadog and Snowflake are doing right now, which is like 20% free cash flow, net income in the high teens, low 20s. So I think that alone with the mid 20s top line makes it like the rule 40 very easy for Confluent in like a year or two. However, they did push back their profitable quarter because of all the transition I mentioned earlier in the call, but them being pure usage base and starting to transfer like what kind of clients they want. But right now they are in the awkward gray area. I'm looking at their valuation just for next year. Like 2024 is gonna be a very awkward, weird year for Confluence. The real story for Confluence will be 2025 and beyond. Current valuation right now is similar to Datadocs, identical actually for next year. The disconnect is Confluent would be 25% cheaper in 2025 compared to Datadog and Snowflake and Palantir. It's because that operation leverage will kick in in 2025 because they're anticipated to have 10% net income margins, 10% free cash flow margins in 2025. However, they're going to be growing in the low 20s next year. They're not going to be really profitable. They're going to probably break even. That's not really sexy. It is the awkward gray area, as you all saw with Twilio, where they're growing in mid-single digits and like, barely free cash flow positive. So like why I own that. Confluent is like still, I think, a 25% CAGR for the next four years. That's pretty elite. And I do think they're being conservative with those numbers because they're just use they're 70% of the Fortune 500 uses them. So if you truly believe data is going to be like the next uh oil, which I do think so, and these like Fortune 500 companies are going to have to be using data and especially on a usage based model like 25% is conservative, in my opinion. And I think it, they can beat that, hit 30%. If so, this is going to be a 40 or $50 stock in a couple of years. Yeah. So this is another situation where, say, it was, I mean, no real, like a bed crapper. We'll use a proper term, a bed crapper quarter to where it completely got rid of all the weak hands that could be holding this, that 
I mean, I don't know if the short interest is correct at 12%, but if they do like the under promise over deliver type quarter and can, you know, beat what analysts are now, these watered down estimates that they see, this could be one of those coiled springs if they can shock and all investors. But that is a big if. I mean, you saw Datadog do something similar, could see Snowflake do with this next quarter. But yeah, it, it's very intriguing. And that's where it's been a very long time since Confluent was attractively valued. But now that's my one worry is like, is it that gray area type valuation or is it finally time to pounce on it? So I'm warming up to it. I guess I just need to see more on it to actually make it a significant position. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of DCA. Before their earnings, it was like a 1.5% position for me. Obviously, it went down 40%, doubled it, and I trimmed some like once it hit 20. But like even right now, it's less than 2% position for me. And just because they are in that proven phase of like, okay, everything you're saying sounds rosy. I understand why you had that shit quarter. It fits into like what I'm, what my growth portfolio to be centered around that the data thematic. Now prove it to me. Give me that one or two profitable quarters and see the momentum go. Love it. Should we? Hey, move? Joe Burrow's done for the year. Wow. <gasps> Break. It's not a sprained wrist. I, I thought he broke it. I just got a text because um, I, I had my buddy look at it this morning. I was like, hey, yeah, check this out. Because you saw like he even took like he went to do a practice throw on the sideline. He couldn't even like cock it yeah, back. And then he like dropped in pain. Shout out to my boy, uh, Michael Detman, who right before the game traded away Joe Burrow. So yeah, Zach, uh, T- Zach Taylor just said it. He tore his ligament in his thumb. Wow. Out for season, torn ligament. Dang. So Joey, what's your... uh? Are you buying or you trying or or is the stock dying? So I have a very small position in it as of now. Um, cost basis eighteen ninety six, and pretty much right where the stock is at. But like I said, I I don't want to make this a significant position because I still have a lot more digging to do. So what I like to do is, if I've done a lot of homework on a stock and I, I feel like okay, this is this does have the potential or, or you know kind of fits my playbook. I'll initiate a small position, then I'll keep doing homework. And, you know, if my homework uncovers more and I get more excited about it, I'll build a position. If not, I'll just leave it as is and almost like a tracking position. So got a small position on it now. I'm going to track it. I'm kind of in the situation where like 90% of my holdings are all the mega caps. So I want to take a little bit and shift it into some you know, small mid caps that are more exciting on the growth area, um, but still do it in a nice controlled manner. So, you know, Confluent checks a lot of boxes and I I was looking at some other small mid caps that we might get into slowly over the next couple episodes, but I know you do have a, a, an intriguing small cap of your own that you want to talk about. So maybe that will be one of them. Healthy way to start the conversation. So my, uh, this is a little mini monster that we actually had a while back, but, uh, I remember going to the twins playoff game and I saw evolve again, technologies. So if, if you guys are unfamiliar with evolve technologies, so they're the leader in AI based weapons detection for security screening. They're the leader in data center solutions and business in North America. And they offer a wide range of products and services, including servers, storage, yada, yada, yada. Right. What's really cool about it, you see these like two things on the sides that look like metal detectors, but it's 10 times faster. And so I was starting to look at, you know, the business again as a whole, and they've now screened over a billion people. 
you can see them at all the different concert venues. You'll see them at like uh, sports stadiums, things like that. And similar to how I, I found Axon early on, I was like, okay, the world's getting crazier and crazier. Like what types of technologies are going to be able to help expedite and, and help the almost big brother in quotes here uh, to help see what's happening, you know, on the ground faster. Right. And so what's cool about them is I think the, what they, they don't necessarily need to like hire as many security guards, right. Cause this technology is kind of taking over and giving people a heads up. If someone's in a gun or someone's wearing a knife, right. Or someone has a knife on them. So their numbers are actually pretty good. So their total revenues, uh, 115 up from a prior guidance of 75 to 77 million annual recurring revenues between 108 and 112. Uh, up from a range of 75 to 75 million gross margin, approximately 60% up from a range of 43 to 45%, uh, adjusted EBITDA. So this is where it's kind of getting ugly, but, uh, they improved 40%, uh, from negative 50 to 52, uh, per share. So they improved 40% on that. Uh, and they're just projected to continue to grow. And it's one of those theme stocks for me where it's certainly, you know, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm not going to put a, a 90% of my net worth into this stock. Uh, as it is a mini monster, in my opinion, but the thematics behind it kind of makes sense to me. I got pretty lucky today. It's up uh, like seven, but year to date, they're actually up 70% year to date already. And they're kind of down from their high right now. So I don't know. I think this is a, a company that fits my thematics. Joe, I'd love for you to help destroy it for me, but you'll see them at like all the different stadiums, as I mentioned, Six Flags. They have some pretty strong customers. And they're just continuing to grow over and over again. And so I don't know if it'll be an acquisition target. They're under a billion. They're at like 600 million, 638 uh, for their market cap. But what I like about them, they they have kind of the similar uh, situation as Axon where they were hardware, but they're really moving into the SaaS contracts and they have a four-year non-cancelable SaaS contract. So these customers are going to be with them for at least four years. Uh, and, and the numbers just look good. But I know as with every mini monster small caps uh there's some fear underlying so joey what do you like or not like about these guys i just love joey's speechless by the way all right so bringing up the website and the latest quarter report like the numbers aren't bad and i do like the space of weapons detection security screening because unfortunately it's a rising issue and i think one thing we've always run into with axon which we've talked about time and time again is like it's an expensive stock, but it's always been expensive. So like waiting for it to get cheap. I know Shai had like, you know, I'd like it at, I think he said 140 and it's like, crap. Even when it was like 160, it was kind of like, oh, you know, the valuation would be attractive at 100 and it's just continued to run. So it's one of those where, you know, it just took off so fast and, and everybody's just kind of, you know, it, Shopify is a similar situation where it's like, if it were less expensive, it would be intriguing. This valuation is not too bad. I like the annual recurring revenue. Um, strong growth on that side. Evolve Express. So is Evolve Express kind of like clear where if you're like in their system, you can get through it faster? Or is this like... No, this is like massive stadiums. You literally walk by it and it can tell. It's pretty cool. Like I sat on the other side of it when I went to the Minnesota Twin Stadium and I was able to see like if people had anything in their pockets you'd be able to see very quickly like where it is. And so like with staffing and people don't want to hire as many people for security, like this can minimize the amount of, you know, it's a pretty easy sell if you go to a stadium and say, hey, we can get yeah, people so, in 10 times faster. So this is like a scaled down version of when you're going through TSA, you got to put your hands up, it does the scan. This is like for smaller venues to quickly move people through. 
smaller venues, but big, big venues. I mean, again, this different stadiums, huge concerts. I think they, with all the school shootings, sadly, this could go into schools. Like, I, th- I think just it's limitless in terms of their addressable market, in terms of like all these big gatherings of people. It allows people to get through much quicker and, and safer. You don't have to like go through that thing you're talking about at the, at the airport where you have to like even that four seconds that it takes you for you to scan, you can literally just walk through. So it just pushes people through the stadium much faster. So I just, I love the thematic behind it. And I think if the numbers look good, that was my only concern is how much money they're losing because the, the tax is expensive, right? Um, but I think yeah, so that's, that's the thing, like the installed base could be expensive, but I'm sure they have contracts with the stadiums or schools or anything they've got that will slowly make that back. The schools around me, I know like the high school right around the corner just added metal detectors. And this is something that they're kind of like increasing spend in schools. So it's one of those where like, you know, now you even see like parking's an issue because everybody's picking different entrances to go in because there could be long lines at the main student parking lot. They're going to different entrances and all that. So yeah, I definitely see the need. And it is one of those checks the box, makes society better because yeah, if schools and these venues are safer, the last thing you want is something bad happening. So checks that box is where they're doing good. It doesn't seem like it's too invasive to where you're like living in a surveillance state. So that's when, when we were originally talking, I was like, oh, is this, you know, pushing us towards a surveillance state? You know, you're always, people always know if you've got something on you. The numbers don't look too bad. I, I got to look at like what kind of cash they have and what kind of debt that they have on hand. Um, $130 million cash remaining. Okay, right here it says restricted cash with 140.4 million in no debt as of the third quarter. I found it's 100 feet and it's in 4K. That's the one thing I always like, like, like that. You always see these security footage and it looks like it's on a flip phone. I never understood that. Like we have the technology to get better photos. And so they're doing it in 4K. And you could see up to 100 feet in advance if someone's brandishing a gun or a, a knife on them. So, Joey, to answer your question, though, they have two years of cash burn left. So that's the issue. That's their issue. Um, it's really hard to raise in this like environment as we spoke before the call. However, like their top line is is really sexy, like mid high 40s. They do have the SPAC stench associated with them. They need to get profitability in 2025. Like if they don't, that's the make or break a year, in my opinion. I remember uh, this, this was th- a SPAC. This I, was a SPAC. Oh, uh, Newhold Investment Corp. Okay, yeah, that's that's a ding to the case. The other the other thing I did to like bear case myself, the FCC is looking into them right now to make sure that their data is accurate. But assuming that this was as recent as October, so I, I got to see if there's some updates from that. But that could be something obviously that could kill the stock if the data's off and it's not as accurate as they're saying. Um, well, but. You know, I don't know. I feel like it'd be easy to raise money for a company like this, where it's, you know, government contracts can come in, put this in the schools, airports, it's safety ultimately. Right. And so I think well, this is a cool theme. Overall. Yes. This actually gives me a lot of, so I, I saw Minnesota twins name it, um, official, what is it? AI based weapons detection, bringing it as like the official. They have a few. They have six that. flags. Here, let me go to their list real quick. The Titans uh, use them. The Mets use them. The Mets. Uh, Red Sox use them. Six flags. Pirates. The only issue with the security space, it's crowded. It clears in there. Like, what's stopping Lee Harris to go in there? But they're different. It's very different than clear. Clear is like you have a membership where you go and skip the line because you've been verified. This is like for the masses as you're walking into a concert. Into yeah, the so can you choose to go through this line or go through the regular so you have to go through and it was really cool. I mean, like the metal detectors, right? It's like a four foot radius, basically. These things are like 50 feet 
And so you can, that's why so many people can kind of go through it right, very quickly. And it's looking for specific shapes. It's not going to go off for a belt buckle, but it's going to go off like if it's. Yeah, I don't know the exact technology behind it, but uh, we'll, we're going to try to get the CEO on for this. Yeah, I was going to say, this is something, if we bring the CEO on, it's very intriguing. I, I really don't like this backside of things because I feel like there just wasn't as good of a due diligence process coming public as a typical IPO. But I mean, looking at it and yeah, I see the cash situation isn't ideal. But if they can get enough big deals and get this in place, then this could become, I'm intrigued. I, I won't right. say like, I, I want to put a starter position on, but I give Avi a lot of crap. And whenever he says something, I'll put some, you know, rough. I think the cash is the the one thing here. So I'll dig in before I put more money into it. But even hearing myself talk, I'm like, shit, I'm going to probably buy more. Well, no, yeah. And now. looking at first nine months of 2023 revenue up 71% and it's, they gotta be doing something right to be bringing on the big sports franchise. Now, if they were only landing like small stores or chains or something like that, that's where it's like, okay, maybe this isn't legit. And they're just kind of like forcing their way in, but having some big stadiums in there, if they got a partnership with like Live Nation or something like that to start screening all of their events, this would be something that'd be pretty cool, but I'm intrigued. So yeah, we need to do some more work. We need to reach out to some executives, see if we can get them on a show and ask more in-depth questions, but it's interesting. All right. That's all I can ask for for me, Joey. is interesting. <laughs> I told you I would have an open mind. I was going to mean, it's, I haven't actually looked at the numbers. I always just heard you talking about it. And I, I do my thing where I like to give people crap, but it's not terrible. And I mean, the growth, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Q3 ending Evolve Express subscriptions up 137% year over year. That's interesting. All right. We got uh, Thanksgiving week here next week. So maybe we'll come in with the uh, stocks that we're thankful for for next week. But uh, stay tuned. Also, listen to Sweetgreen. We got a Sweetgreen uh, interview with the founder of Sweetgreen. So Jonathan Neiman, awesome interview. Uh, really nice guy as well. So welcome back, boys. We are we're fully back. We're two episodes away from 100. So please tweet at Yo, hi, uh, make sure he comes on for episode 100. <laughs> He's going to kill me. And uh, enjoy the weekend. Go spend time with your family and friends for Thanksgiving. See you guys. Every night I flex. I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. Yeah. This one here for all that try to count me out and they still counting. Honestly, I never doubt it. Say the top is never crowded. Well, I'm trying to climb the mountain till I need a few accounting. Stock is rising, perfect timing. I'm in prickle with the tribe. Shawty sliding, she wants sushi, she want eel sauce for the rice. I just peel off with the light, took her heels off for the ride. Don't say real talk, just a lie. I'm a real one, I provide, yeah. Drip on a hundred.